1: Introducing the Planet Fitness Guide to Getting That Post-Workout Glow. Step 1. What's your why? More epic energy? Better sleep? Blow off steam? Step 2. Join Planet Fitness for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime, and get moving. Go cardio crazy in our clean and spacious clubs. Or get down with some dumbbells and strength equipment. Step 3. Bask in that post-workout glow. Join Planet Fitness today for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, October 14th. It's glow time. See club for details.
0: You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's Deep Divers at MileHighhuddle.com and sound off. And now
2: it's time to drop some knowledge. We are live. You guys know the drill. We gotta let the stream be just for a couple of seconds. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime, you know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman, the author of Kelberman's Corner, his weekly installment, his mailbag. When we get a little bit closer to the actual football season and training camp, it'll probably be a bi-weekly installment, but his latest column, his latest mailbag hit the internet today and i want to go through it zach you were actually replying to one of our super chat superstars glenn hauser so we're going to go through that five most overrated broncos
3: yeah you know i love it because we were going we had a list of underrated broncos talking about garrett bowles and the players that should have been underrated on that list instead of garrett bowles and then glenn made a comment okay next question should be about the five most overrated and it was like a light bulb went off ding and I just, I knew I had to make that into a story. So uh, hopefully you guys, I'm going to I'm going to catch some blowback for the players that I have on there, but I'm sticking to it, Chad. I have conviction and I'll, I'll defend it until uh, my last breath. Let's do it. Let's
2: do it. Now, of course, today is that time of the week where we take a peek inside the mile high mailbag because we are your football priest. And each and every week we're here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. We can't wait to see what's on your guys' mind. We'll get to the stream. We'll get to any super chats here in just a second. First though, I wanted to, what is it showing? Is it showing the, it's, what's it doing? Hold on one second. I got to reload this page. Bear with me one second. I wanted to be able to show it. There it is. All right. Let me do the share screen. Oh, that's not it. Hold on one second. Bear with me one sec guys. I want to show you the article. We'll go through each name and, Zach can defend it. I think they're all fair selections here, and an argument can be made for each one. So let me go through it here. Kelvin's Corner, five most overrated Broncos. Let me pause this video so it doesn't get in our way. All right. First and foremost, in reply to Glenn Hauser, I don't know if he's in the stream yet. I haven't checked, but you list K.J. Hamler. And I'm Mm -hmm. just going to read the first line here. Taking my contrarian hat off. I did and still kind of do question his second round selection. Hamler makes the unenviable cut here, though, through little fault of his own. So explain, expand a little bit on why you think perhaps KJ Hamler is a little overrated.
3: Well, it's not really his fault. It's more, I'm not blaming Broncos country, the entirety of Broncos country, but Broncos fans think he's the next, uh, right off the bat, the next Tyreek Hill, the next Deshaun Jackson, when he's an inch shorter than both of them. He doesn't have good hands as both those receivers. He has a lot of work to do at the next level. He has to expand his route. He has to beat press coverage. He has to learn to work through the slot. He has to even learn, as Tom McMahon said, Chad, to take punts at the NFL level. He is not this ready-made day one superstar like Broncos fans are making him out to be. So that's why I consider him overrated. And also from a personnel standpoint, he's joining a receiving core that has Jerry, Judy and Cortland Sutton. Fans are expecting him to come off and just have a hundred yards a game, make all these big catches. He's going to be a decoy or a situational player. A lot of the time for his rookie season, I I would anticipate Hamler being a bigger factor, Chad in 2021 than he is this season. Yeah, I would say it's fair. It's a fair assertion to say Hamler is
2: overrated right now in the Broncos country zeitgeist, like in the collective mentality, the way he's viewed. He's probably a little bit overrated. Five foot nine, rookie, no offseason training program, a disjointed, perhaps shortened preseason. It's going to take him more time to get up to speed, I think, than a lot of fans realize. I'm with you that Probably the best case scenario for him in 2020 is something something approaching 400 yards receiving, maybe a yeah. you know small handful of touchdowns, some big plays. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Second guy you got here, I think we can all tip our caps and nod along. Juwan James, the right tackle, who got a $51 million contract, which, as you point out here in the piece, at the time was record-setting, only to – suffer an unfortunate knee injury that plagued him through the season. And he only ended up appearing in three games, totaling just over 60 snaps. So Mm. how overrated is he? I mean, at this point he he kind of feels like a lemon though. He has a chance. If he stays healthy, it is an even year. You know, he's injured in odd years, healthy in even years. If he can stay healthy and maybe start earning back some of that money that he's, he's gotten from the Broncos, then maybe he can balance those scales back to, you know, fairly rated
3: yeah fair or not when a a player gets a record-setting contract it's 50 million dollars you know more than half of which is fully guaranteed at signing if you don't perform up to snuff you're going to be called overrated amongst other things and he had a reputation shat in Miami as being a mentally soft player and what I was worried about when the Broncos gave him that money was him checking out after getting that contract, he has no incentive. When he's motivated, when he's committed, and when he's healthy, he is an upper echelon, upper tier right tackle. But how often has he been healthy, and how often has he been motivated? There's a reason why Dolphins players reportedly were laughing at the Broncos for giving him that contract. They called him a whoopee cushion. He's <laughs> mentally soft. He, I didn't like the way he handled the injury either. He kind of excused his performance and kind of, it's not on me. He, you know, he, uh, he cleared himself of any wrongdoing. I, I don't like that mentality. Own it. You, you're, you got. I paid a lot of money and 63 snaps. I have it in the article. It, it comes, what was the uh, per snap? Uh, 79365 $79, Per snap. Per snap. I'm sorry. He's overrated from that aspect alone. When you get that money, injured or not, motivated or not, you have to find a way to perform. So I agree. I don't think any Broncos fan can dispute the fact that Juwan James has to start justifying his money and his status with the team.
2: Only because we've wasted so much oxygen. I wouldn't say wasted. We've expended so much oxygen talking about Garrett Bowles. Let's just mention that he's on the list <laughs> and I'll nod along and go to number four, which is Nick Vanette. Now I just want to read this first line. Cause you say this seems like a random name to toss in, but hear me out. What's your, what's your uh, position on Nick Vanette being overrated? Well,
3: I mean, he has this reputation of being an all-world blocker, yet in three games last year for the Seahawks, before they traded him unceremoniously, by the way, to the Steelers, he had a 25.1 pass blocking grade. Okay, so you're good at one job. The Broncos gave him millions of dollars for that one job, and he wasn't even good at that one job last season. He finished the year with the Steelers as the 65th rated tight end out of 67 tight ends in the (laughs) NFL. I mean, the Broncos had 10,000 tight ends on the roster. I I don't like his contract. I don't like the player. I just think for his reputation and what he's known for, he's a little overrated in that department because he he does have some slip-ups. He does have some mistakes. He's not a perfect blocker, and the Broncos signed him to be that perfect blocker. I I didn't understand the move then, and I definitely don't understand it now. If a player's rating
2: is informed by the money he makes, then by all means, Nick Vennett is overrated. He's, he's overpaid. This was one of those moves back in March that when it happened, you and I, we weren't orange-colored glasses guys. We were like, listen, that's a weird move, especially when you consider the logjam the Broncos have at tight end. So many unanswered questions in terms of You know, the litany of former decent draft picks the team had invested in the position. Then you go out and spend this money on Nick Vanette, who, you know, solid, but as this lays out quite, quite clearly, unspectacular. So I'm I'm with you on that. And then lastly, you got Melvin Gordon, which I just noticed a typo. Um, Melvin Gordon, though, Zach, which... Overpaid, overrated—very synonymous. But go with explain
3: your take on on Melvin. It's just it's just stats and facts. I mean, Gordon has averaged four yards a carry in his career, whereas Phillip Lindsay averages four point nine yards a carry. Melvin Gordon has fourteen fumbles. Lindsay's never fumbled. Uh, Melvin Gordon's appeared in just one 16 game season in his career. Lindsay completed a full sixteen game season in twenty nineteen. I, I just. You sign a rival player, and you're pissing off your incumbent in the meantime, not paying him, uh, kicking him down the depth chart, really getting him angry and kind of taking away some of that Broncos luster away from your homegrown stud, your incumbent, the guy who's been nothing but blood, sweat, and tears in Denver for the past couple seasons. I, didn't, I don't even think he's that good of a running back, Chad. I mean, he's good, but is he Christian McCaffrey? Is he Ezekiel Elliott? Is he some of these? Was he Todd Gurley in his prime? He was never that player. He's coming off a holdout shortened season. He he wasn't from the tape I watched last year. He wasn't that impressive. And you gave him sixteen million dollars, thirteen point five million guaranteed. When you have Philip Lindsay making seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars this season, God help John Elway if <laughs> Philip Lindsay making that money outshines the league's seventh highest paid rusher for 2020 and you know what it's entirely possible if not probable
2: so he's a he's a former first round pick he was the 15th overall pick back in 2015 out of Wisconsin and even though technically he only has 1,000 yard season rushing season I think it's fair to say he has two because in his second year he came three yards shy of a thousand yards so 997 yards in 2016 2017 1,100 yards rushing those were his two peak years, in my opinion. He scored 18 touchdowns over that period, but Zach, 3.9 yards per carry. Now, that's over those two years. Career, he's barely at four yards per carry. Now, keep in mind, this is on a Chargers offense by which the interior of that offensive – I mean, the whole offensive line was a constant shuffling due to the injury bug. They, they went through a lot of problems, failed draft picks, not panning out, Forrest Lamp – I'm trying to, who was the other one? Dan Feeney. I might get that one wrong, but just a lot of uh, snafus up front. That might have had something to do with his lackluster numbers. But then on the other hand, Zach, what exactly has Philip Lindsay been running behind for the last right. two years? Not exactly a collection of five all pros up front. With a worse he, quarterback, too. Yes. Yeah, t- very, I mean, at least Melvin Gordon had quarterback consistency, right. which is very helpful in terms of taking pressure off of a running back. So, I'm with you that I'm not I'm listen, I'm not here to trash Melvin Gordon. I'm not telling Broncos fans he's a bad player or a, a below average running back, but he definitely is overrated. If again, we are informing rating by how much they're paid. Melvin Gordon is he worth 16 million dollars? I hope he is, but I just don't see it based on the player we saw last year on tape and just looking at his stats. Meanwhile, you got Philip Lindsay who just in comparison, let me let me just pull up a quick comparison here, okay? Philip Lindsay's been in the league now 2 years and he's carried the ball oh, just over 400 times, about 450 times. His career average is almost a full yard more than Melvin Gordon. 4.9 running behind this patchwork offensive line that we know has existed with uh, who's who of quarterback musical chairs which is why, again, we, we go, what in the Sam Hill was the thought process behind the Broncos? Not only saying we need to go out and bring in a new running back, we need to bring in a veteran, you know, someone with some experience who can, I get it, catch a little pass, and, you know, be able to catch some passes or whatever. But, Zach, you already have a Pro Bowl back-to-back 1,000-yard right. rusher who has distinguished himself as one of the, or at least has the potential to be one of the young stars of this league. It's still, the more I talk about it, the less I understand it.
3: It's just funny how we exonerate Garrett Bowles for having bad quarterbacks, but we don't praise Philip Lindsay for running behind a bad offensive line and having no quarterbacks either. It works both ways for me. Uh, Melvin Gordon is not that much head and shoulders above Philip Lindsay. And it sounds like a hot take, but if you watch the film from last year, if you watch the way the Broncos deployed Philip Lindsay, and it was Scangarello's fault for running him inside too much, but he is more of a workhorse than the Broncos want to give him credit for. And now he's working on his hands. He's working on his pass blocking. He's bulking up. He's motivated. He is going to show the Denver and the NFL world, that he is here to stay. And he belongs as a workhorse, either with the Broncos, I hope with the Broncos, but if things work out a certain way next year, you never know, could be with another team. But he's going to be a good player for many, many seasons.
2: What's interesting about this Gordon deal is that the Broncos control them, these two running backs, for the next two years. So after this season, Phillip Lindsay becomes a restricted free agent. No, Wait, how do I? Okay, yeah. So this, all right, so this year... He's playing on the third year of his his college free agent deal, and then after this season, which then will be Melvin Gordon going into his contract year, the second of his two year deal, Lindsey will be a restricted free agent. So after the twenty twenty one season, they'll both be hitting unrestricted free agency, and it's going to be really interesting to see how those chips fall. But guys, we wanted to get we wanted to go through that not just for Glenn but for everybody because. I think being able to go through and discuss and defend Zach's takes on these five overrated Broncos in a long form setting like this on the pod, there's nothing better than that. But guys, this particular episode, it's all about you. It's all about the Mile High Mailbag, and we're going to get to your questions, comments, topics, whatever's on your mind, your super chats here in just a second. First, really quick, because the podcast continues to grow at a very high rate, we got to make sure our new listeners know how to connect with us on social media First and foremost, you got to follow the podcast on Twitter at Up Pod. That's how you stay in touch with what we're doing daily. While you're at it, follow the mother account as well on Twitter at Mile High Huddle. You click those two, you follow those two accounts, you're not going to miss anything as it relates to Mile High Huddle podcast programming and, and breaking Broncos news. Um, also, gang, if you're in a position, check out huddleuppod.com. Get your swag on, get yourself one of these hats, football priest hat, get yourself a state of being hoodie, t-shirts, mugs, face masks. Tank tops, there's a little something for everybody, male, female, check it out. It's another way to support what we're doing here, not only at the Huddle Up podcast, at Mile High Huddle. And if you're not in a position to do that, it's all good. We're just happy to have you here in the live stream with us or if you're listening after the fact. These three things you can do organically, you have no idea how much they can help what we're doing here at MHH. First and foremost, if you're on YouTube, subscribe. Number two, like this video. And actually, you can even dislike this video engage with the video okay that helps us in the algorithms but but like it we prefer you to like it obviously. (laughs) Um, and share it out there if you really like what zach and i are doing for you guys bringing you this content on our side four days a week mhh a podcast for each day in the week you get seven pods per week these live streams share it out there help us grow help us reach new like-minded listeners in broncos country just like you
1: this is the overtime podcast network Introducing the Planet Fitness Guide to Getting That Post-Workout Glow. Step 1. What's your why? More epic energy? Better sleep? Blow off steam? Step 2. Join Planet Fitness for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime, and get moving. Go cardio crazy and are clean in our clean and spacious clubs. Or get down with some dumbbells and strength equipment. Step 3. Bask in that post-workout glow. Join Planet Fitness today for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal
0: ends Friday, October 14th. It's glow time. See love for details. Paid for by America First Legal. All
2: right, Zach. Let's see what we've got cooking here in the stream. Welcome in everybody who's been hanging out. We got Ernie, Toy Mafia, uh, Douglas. We got Will. It's good to see all you guys. Um, Let me jump down here real quick. Bear with me one second here. This, This chat is doing a jump on me. Let's grab Mike Evans since I know he's right there. Drop in a very generous super chat, one of our superstars. Appreciate you, Mike. Mike. You're you're one of the guys we probably ought to contact if you're interested in becoming uh coming on the show and introducing yourself to the community if you're interested. Not everyone wants to do that, Zach. Not everyone wants to have the spotlight put on them and you know, be exposed to thousands and thousands of eyeballs and and ears. Yeah, it can. It, it's it's just not for everybody. So if that's something that interests you, Mike, reach out milehighhuddle at gmail. We can make some arrangements. But he says, love the list. Quick question: Does Jake Butt have any chance to make the team? Zach, does he have any chance? Yes, I mean he has a chance. But the more this preseason gets shaved away and whittled away by the league, the less his the, the less I like his odds. Let me just put it that way.
3: Well, it would take one of two scenarios. Either butt completely just balls out of his mind. I don't think after three surgeries, Chad, he's gonna do that so fast. Or Noah Fan gets injured, Nick Van Eck gets injured, Albert O gets injured, Jeff Hierman gets injured, and then he's you know makes it by default. So he has a non zero chance of making the roster, but that's all it is. It's like a five percent chance. I would anticipate him being cut uh, this summer, if not earlier, by the Broncos.
2: I'm still hopeful that he might find a way, but you look at who the Broncos have now. I mean, just go through the litany real quick. We already talked about Nick Vennett, who the Broncos just paid some money to. So obviously the current coaching staff is going to have a, a vested interest in this guy making the team. Noah Fant, Jeff Hireman, Albert O. I mean, just those four right there makes it quite a logjam at the top of the depth chart. Then you've got former draft pick uh, Troy Fumagalli. Then you got Butt. So it really becomes. I mean, how many tight ends can you keep on the and roster? And then Andrew Beck and then Fort. I mean, there's just so many in the room. Andrew Fort, unfortunately, I think his his time as a Bronco is going to come to an end quite quickly this summer. Who knows? Maybe he can stick on the on the practice squad. That ACL just crushed his momentum. But yeah. Beck Beck is a guy who can wear a couple of different hats for you. He can go out and catch passes and you know set the edge as a blocker. I mean, he's not a the greatest blocker, but and and. But and and that was not good grammar. He can lead block like Andy Janovich, right? He can yeah. he can ISO block as a fullback. That's not something that Pat Shermer utilizes much, except for in short yardage situations. But in those short yardage key situations, you want to have a utility guy like like Andrew Beck who can come in and do multiple things for you.
3: Yeah, if they keep four tight ends, which I think they will because you're basically, like you said, Chad, getting a fullback and a tight end in one player, I think it'll be Beck. So, again, it would take those players getting injured or Butch just literally playing out of his mind for him to make the final roster. I just I don't see it.
2: Uh, Kenneth wants to know on YouTube. He always has really good questions. If McDaniels doesn't draft Tim Tebow early in the first round, so he's dialing it back to 2010, where do you think Tebow would have been drafted? And who would have who uh, would you have drafted instead? I wanted Des at the time. Now I would have picked Gronk. Yeah, I think at that stage, anyone who doesn't take Gronk in that position instead of Tim Tebow. But then again, I don't know how much you really want to mess with the the football fates and going back in time and changing things because it's kind of the butterfly effect because Zach, it is my opinion. I've said this before on the podcast that if Tim Tebow isn't drafted in the first round, he doesn't see the field in 2011. He doesn't see the field in 2011 (sighs) and go on that romp that was a miracle season that literally took the Broncos from a basement-dwelling team. I mean, we talk about the disrespect the Broncos get right now in the national media. I mean, compound that by 10 back then. They were nobodies. They hadn't done anything since 1998, essentially. They had a little bit of a high profile from 2 to 5 but that fizzled quickly post-Jake Plummer. They were just not a team that was talked about nationally. Tim Tebow changed that. Tim Tebow made the Broncos not only a winning club in terms of, you know, took them out of the the cellar and they won the division that year, but he elevated the Broncos' national profile. So by the time you get to the offseason and the Colts make the inexplicable decision of cutting Peyton Manning, now, suddenly, the Broncos are a different thing. He brought focus onto the, that offense. You're seeing in 2011 young wideouts like Eric Decker and Demarius Thomas making plays. And Peyton Manning sees that a pretty good offensive line also for what it's worth, which is a nice recruiting tool if you're John Elway trying to grab Peyton Manning, who's got 14 years in the league. Yep. My point being, though, without Tim Tebow elevating the profile of this team and sh- kind of showing Peyton Manning how close they were to busting this thing loose and how many pieces were actually there. You don't get Peyton Manning in a very, I really don't think without Tim Tebow, John Elway who used a very soft sell, by the way, John Elway did not. And John Fox, they didn't push the envelope. They got in line. They took, waited their turn. They brought him in. They made their pitch and then they let him just dis- make his decision. They weren't blowing up his phone. They weren't giving him ultimatums and timelines and, and that was one of the things he liked about the Broncos. But I, I digress. Nevertheless, without Tebow, Zach, you don't get Peyton. So how much do you really want to change about the 2010 draft? That's that's my take.
3: I agree with that. But you should pull up the draft to see how it played. I love to see who the Broncos could have taken. I don't have it at the, you the know, top of my head. I think some of the fans would like to see that as well. Um, yeah, Des Bryant would have been a nice pick for them. Him and Demarius Thomas would have just balled out. Gronkowski was Gronkowski. But then how much did he benefit – from playing with Tom Brady in that system. We'll find out this year with Tampa Bay, but I'm just interested to see the other players that came after Tebow. All
2: right. So <clears throat> real quick, let me, I'll do a share screen so we can all see this. Uh, bear with me one second. Y'all where to go. Oh,
3: there it is. All
2: right. So let me make this big. How's that look? Can you see that? Okay. Yeah, looks good. So, as you guys can remember, Demarius Thomas was the pick at number 22, which disappointed a lot of fans who wanted Dez Bryant. But it was Demarius Thomas, and then at 25, uh, well, I believe it was a trade. Or no, no, that was uh, by virtue of the Cutler, uh, the Cutler trade. Anyway, Tim Tebow, the pick at 25. So who came after him? The big defensive tackle, Dan Williams. You had Devin McCordy, Jared Odrick. Kyle Wilson, Javid Best, who who had some, uh, you know, he he looked good his first year in the league, and then he had some concussion issues. Jerry Hughes, Patrick Robinson was a decent corner for a while. Um, Then from there it goes to Roger Saffold. Hold on, I got to – all right, there. Roger Saffold into the second round. Uh, There's our friend T.J. Ward, Chris Cook. You get all the way to Rob Gronkowski at forty-two, Zach, and I'm not sure there's a better candidate for yeah. if you could have taken someone different, you know. And you know it doesn't change the future of the Broncos landing Peyton and winning the Super Bowl in 2015. Is there a better argument for Rob Gronkowski? I don't think I don't think so.
3: Yeah, you know, in hindsight, we can say that, but you know, at the time, he was a second round pick for a reason. He did fall to New England for a reason. He was a value for them, but in the first round, it's kind of a hard sell when you have a quarterback on the board. Looking at the players though, Chad, McCourty is the only one that really stands out to me because he can do so much, play safety, play cornerback. But if you have a chance to get a franchise level quarterback like Tebow was, at least initially, you got to pull the trigger. And you got to Marius Thomas a couple picks before that. So you have your quarterback, your receiver. I wouldn't change anything either. Looking back on it, I keep it the same. I mean, that was a great season. 2011
2: was awesome. The way 2010 ended, even though it was, you know, poor 4-12 finish, one of the worst all-time, if not the worst all-time for the Broncos that landed, gave the Broncos the opportunity to land Von Miller the next year in the second, second, uh, second overall pick. Yeah. Without that strong finish or optimistic finish to 2010, maybe fans aren't quite clamoring the way they did for John Fox to bench Kyle – he gives us the best chance to win Orton in 2011 and the rest is history. But to answer uh, the second part of Kenneth's question, though, where would have Tim Tebow landed? I don't know. I mean, a lot of people thought he was a third, fourth-round quarterback, a lot of draft nicks. I know that McDaniels was very much worried that the that the uh, Patriots were going to take him. So they didn't want to wait and risk it, which is one of the reasons they they made the pick where they did
3: yeah i a quarterback needy team again in hindsight probably taking him but he was billed as at least a second round pick not a first round pick
2: all right let's see what we got here uh greg smith we don't want to ignore our great audience on facebook what's up greg it's good to see you my friend chad and zach right off the bat 10 to 15 players to cut before training camp who's actually on the bubble thanks for getting this i almost forgot the main topic of our freaking podcast here tonight thank you greg uh Diehard Broncos fan, hashtag, hashtag Las Vegas, Nevada. Very cool. All right, so for those of you who missed it, let me, let me pull up the tweet here from Adam Schefter. Uh, Adam Schefter broke the news on uh, Thursday afternoon. Quote, in an effort to combat the word that shall go unmentioned, NFL teams are likely to bring fewer – Than the regular 90 players they originally or ordinarily, excuse me, bring to training camp per league sources. One source is predicting that player that teams will only bring 80 players, another 75, but no one is expecting 90. Then he says more coming up on ESPN. So, Zach, translation for those of you who missed it, because the preseason has been cut in half to two games. Hopefully, I mean, we'll see whether or not that sticks. I've heard rumblings that they might end up even getting pared down to one game. We'll see. But because there's less games to go around, less opportunities for players to see the field, and because of the word that should go unnamed, I don't know how much that really factors into this, to be honest with you. I think it's more about sample size and opportunity. But the the Broncos, who are sitting at the 90-man limit basically right now, there's a good chance that by July 28th, if the veracity of this report Turns out to be good, they got to cut or they're going to cut to upwards of 10 to 15 players. So, getting back to uh, Greg's question who is likely to get that phone call, Zach? That sorry, we got to cut you loose.
3: Uh, the only notable guy I can think of that would be a semi-surprise would be Jeff Hyreman. Other than that, though, Chad, at this early in the process, before training camp and before the preseason, obviously before the regular season, it's going to be the bottom-of-the-barrel type players. It, it's going to be like the Hunter Watts. It's going to be like the... Uh, You know, the Zamari Mannings, the Trinity Bensons, those kind of types, you know, the the Joel Heath types, the guys who really have no chance of making the roster. So if they cut them now, maybe they can latch on with other team elsewhere. But they're not going to cut anyone notable. I think most of the roster from from one to, you know, 60, 65 is pretty secure. But it's those last 15 players or so that are going to get cut anyway later on in summer that will get cut now. It's just expediting the inevitable.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
3: Introducing
1: the Planet Fitness Guide to Getting That Post-Workout Glow. Step one, what's your why? More epic energy, better sleep, blow off steam? Step two, join Planet Fitness for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime, and get moving. Go cardio crazy in our clean and spacious clubs. Or get down with some dumbbells and strength equipment. Step three, bask in that post-workout glow. Join Planet Fitness today for $1 down, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, October 14th. It's glow time.
0: See club for details. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.
2: And there's maybe one or two of those guys that are gonna that would end up getting cut in this possibility um, that might have had a chance to, if given the opportunity, to show what they've got, maybe either work their way up a depth chart, potentially make the roster, or at least buy for a practice squad spot. But some of the names I think just to just to give you guys some some meat to sink your teeth into, you got Riley. Uh, we just I just grabbed his name. What's his name? Riley. Neil. Riley Neal. Thank you. Uh, you've got safety. I don't know. PJ Locke. You might want to keep him around because he's he's got a little bit of NFL experience. Uh, let me look here. Just What's names that jump name? out. Uh, mm, Kendall Hinton. I think they're going to want to try and keep him around. Uh, Jonathan Harris, you know there's just the the guys that are that make up basically the last 10 to 15 guys on the roster Austin Fort as interesting as he was before he suffered his knee injury last summer. Again going back to the log jam the Broncos have there uh, how much of an opportunity is he really gonna get to show what he's got you got two long snappers that are currently on the roster in Jacob and Jacob Boenmoyer and West Farnsworth. One of those guys is almost certainly to get the cut if this is what ends up happening. Um, There's a few names here. Let me see. Trey Crawford's a linebacker, an edge rusher, rush linebacker. Uh, Jeremy Cox is a way down the depth chart running back. I mean, it's it's those type of names. So you can go to DenverBroncos.com, look at the roster, and I think your own – I mean, it'll be self-evident to most of you who are likely to get that phone call. So that's really how it affects the Broncos.
3: Kyle Pecko too. The Broncos love cutting that guy. He, every other day, he's on the practice squad. He's on the street. He's on the active roster. Uh, he doesn't have much of a future in Denver, unfortunately. So I think he'll he'll be getting the axe relatively soon as well.
2: Again, I wish I knew who Facebook user is. Again, if you're watching this right now from the Mile High Huddle uh, Super Fan Facebook group, you have to give uh, Facebook permission through Streamyard to show your profile. So whoever you are, we appreciate the kind words, my friend. Yeah. Uh, that's a PSA for those of you. A lot of people watch from, from the Facebook group, Albert and Michelle Knoppers jumping in, showing some love on super chat. Really Thank appreciate you. you. They say, keep up the great work. Love the podcast from Washington. Lacey from Washington, DC, maybe DC, maybe it's I don't know. But any, either way, Albert, I know exactly who you are. We're, we're friends on uh, Facebook, if I'm not mistaken. So really appreciate your support, my brother, and uh, your, your Mrs. Michelle there. We appreciate you guys. Um, let me see here. Here we go. <laughs> Mundungus Creevy. Okay, so a different Gordon question. Was his signing, this is on YouTube, a slap in the face of Lindsey because they don't think he can catch? Or is it a slap in the face of oh Mark Langley hashtag? You got a burner account because you can't stop holding. No, it's, it's more of an indictment on Lindsay. I mean, that's just the way it is. It was, it's saying to Lindsay, we don't think you can It's one of two things. Either we don't think you can be the bell count in this offense, in the Pat Shermer offense, or you don't bring enough to the table as a receiver. We feel like we need to go overpay somebody to bring that element to our backfield. When, you're stacked to the gills with receiver talent. You still felt I, mean, I get it. It was before the draft. They didn't know exactly how their board would shake out. But they knew they were going into that draft with wide receiver at the top of the list. So they knew they were going to come away with something that they could hang their hats on, Zach. So, again, we could we could talk about this particular subject until we're blue in the face. And, it, again, it's one of those things where the more I talk about it, the less I really understand it.
3: I tell you it's not a slap in the face, too, and that's Royce Freeman. I keep getting this argument that the Broncos signed Melvin Gordon to upgrade on Freeman, not Lindsay. That's not the case. The Broncos don't care about Royce Freeman. He's a jack. He's a middle-of-the-road, middle-of-the-pack type running back. He's a two-down running back at most. It, it, they didn't sign him to replace Royce Freeman. They wanted to do that. They could have drafted a guy for a tenth of the cost. It was an indictment and a slap in the face to Philip Lindsay because Elway it showed his hand and admitted he doesn't believe Philip Lindsay is a workhorse three down running back. That is the basic bottom line with that addition,
2: which blows my mind because especially 2018, but 2019 as well without Philip Lindsay, my gosh, can you how imagine quickly, how, how quickly bad all forget? Yeah. I mean, it was bad already, but he carried the offense and I've had some people try to pick a bone with me on that assertion, but Power. If you don't think <laughs> Philip Lindsay carried the offense at least in 2018, I can see how you could pick Nitz about 2019 because, you know, he wasn't quite as explosive. He wasn't quite as many, uh, there weren't quite as many, you know, big plays and, and highlight reel type stuff, but still he carried the offense the last two years. And now he's being, the, the feeling he has is that he's being kind of pushed to the side, but that's not how he rolls. He's not a curl up and die type of cat. He's a guy that is going to stand up and fight back. So, uh, KP jumping in, showing love on super chat. Appreciate you, thank Kevin. What is Nick Vanette's contract? What does it entail? I mean, can, uh, can we cut him if he doesn't make the roster and not get hit over the head in dead cap? You're the pros. Hashtag Florida strong. All right, I'll pull it up real quick.
3: Bennett contract over the cap. We it always, was, I always use it. It was 5.8 in total, but it was negligible. Uh, this cap charge for this year.
2: All right. So here's his cap. So his base salary. All right. So I'll just tell you right now, if he's cut pre-June 1st, there'd be 25, excuse me, 2.5 million in dead cap. If he's a post June 1st cut, that would be shaved down to 1.6 million. So they could save 500 on the 500 K on the cap. If he doesn't make the roster this year. However, they would lose, they would have, they'd carry basically 1.6 million in dead cap this year. And then next year, 875K in dead money. So it's enough that the coaches are going to be very loath, even if he's just terrible in camp and preseason, they're going to be loath to rip that band aid off. But it's not quite enough to completely remove it as a possibility if other dudes are just clearly outshining him.
3: Exactly, yeah. Uh, You know, they signed him to be a blocker, though, so that would lead me to believe they're focused on improving their running game, and he's a sixth offensive lineman, in other words. So I'd be surprised if the Broncos cut him, but he's not uncuttable. They can definitely get away with it if they wanted to.
2: All right, let me see what else we got here. We got Buff Fanatics in the stream. Good to see you on Twitter. They do a great job covering the Bills and their community over there. Uh, Shout out to Zeus who's going to be on the show as the third installment of our superstars series here next Wednesday. He's going to join us. We'll probably try and work out so that Wednesdays can be at least for the month of July, these uh, superstar shows. So Stu, we've, we've talked, he's going to be on the show next Wednesday and he's showing some love. Come on down from MHH Mount Rushmore as he does in each and every stream where he's present, showing some love. So Stu, we appreciate you. And we're looking forward to talking to you and finding out your backstory, how you became yeah. a Broncos fan, what you do, how you view some of the key issues this team is facing heading into 2020. It's going to be a guess. Stu the God. I can't wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> Zeus McPeak. Then we also have the Queen of MHH showing love. Anytime she's in the stream, she's, she's showing some love on Super Chat. Appreciate you, Christy. Yeah. She said, thanks, my guys. Thank you. Appreciate you. Um, All right. I want to make sure I'm not skipping anyone here. Here's a clips showing love out in Philadelphia. Appreciate you, my friend. Happy Thursday, priests and Broncos country. Could we get to see Gordon line up in the slot against Chris Harris, Jr. Who wins? Can't wait to see hashtag state of being state of being. Indeed. You exemplify that. You're one of our awesome listeners that really do exemplify the hashtag state of being, but Melvin Gordon, Lining up in the slot, I think you'll see it here and there. Going up against Chris Harris Jr., who would you take in that particular matchup, Zach? <sighs>
3: I hate to say it, but Chris Harris Jr., he's still a good tackler. And, you know, I didn't see that same elusiveness or tackle-breaking ability on film from Melvin Gordon last year. He can still surprise. I'd be surprised, though, if it wasn't Philip Lindsay being moved in the slot. If he can learn to catch passes and they trust him, he can make more happen in the open field and put the moves on Chris Harris Jr. But Chris Harris Jr. is still a good tackler. So if Melvin Gordon runs right into him, I'm going to take CHJ in that scenario.
2: All right, let's grab Terry up in Canada who, like Eclipse Stormborn, is proving, like KP, like Stu, for example, none of the superstars that I'm aware of so far that we've mentioned here on the show tonight live in Denver, proving the Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is a state of being. He wants to know who is the Broncos MVP for 2020. Zach, if it isn't Drew Locke, that means the season (laughs) probably didn't go the way you wanted it to go.
3: It's going to be Locke or I think Von Miller. If he has a Von classic type year, maybe even a 20 sack kind of year, MVP type year. But yeah, if the Broncos make the playoffs, it's because of Drew Locke. And if they make the playoffs, Locke is the MVP. There's no doubt about it.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.
2: Thanks for the reminder, Vuana Shout out to Tom Hall, whose birthday it is today. Give him some love. Follow him on Twitter, at Thomas Hall NFL. We're going to be getting him on the show here in the near future. He, If you guys go to milehighhuddle.com, in the community section, and more and more of you have been doing that, but more and more of you should, should do that if you haven't, there's a a share there in the community of a podcast Tom appeared on earlier this week talking about the biggest snubs right now the Broncos have for the Hall of Fame. So go check that out. It's a very worthy listen. I mean, I listened to it earlier this week and there's a bunch of stuff I didn't know that I learned. And I'm a guy that's read books, history books on the Broncos. So Tom is, uh, we, we appreciate what he does here for MHH and for the community. All right, let me see here what else we've got. Kenneth wants to know how the Broncos got their name. That, I'm not sure on, my friend. I don't know how that particular issue shook out. Duke Boynton, showing yeah. some love. Very generous Thank on you, Super Duke. Chat. We hope your kids are doing okay, my friend, um, based on what we've been told about the word that shall go unnamed. So prayers, thoughts with you and yours, my friend. Yeah. He says, even if Callahan, Bryce Callahan, the corner, plays this year, he's going to be as rusty as the screws his doctors took out of his foot. <laughs> That video Callahan made was like watching a National Geographic episode about the rare if ever sighting of a Sasquatch. <laughs> so he's he's speaking to the fact that so much of you know what we talk about is we believe it when we see it with regard to Callahan being on yeah. the field. That's what he's talking about. And I don't blame you for for feeling that way. I I listed Callahan as a dark horse defender on this this roster who could potentially be a first-time pro bowler if. He actually stays healthy. Availability is the best ability. And if he manages to have that this year, look, he's very experienced in Vic Fangio's scheme. In 2018, Bryce Callahan showed that he could actually play boundary. Vic Fangio tried him quite a bit that year as a boundary corner, which was one of the reasons they wanted to bring him to Denver last year was because they loved the idea of the in-and-out uh, ability of both he and Chris Harris Jr. They could play outside the boundary. They could move inside. Opposing quarterbacks and offensive coordinators wouldn't know who was going to do what. The the options and the opportunities were endless. And then, of course, he's dominating. Zach, do you remember training camp last year? And I should say OTAs, all three phases up to the initial couple of days of training camp. He was balling. He was a sensation. There were The buzz of him shutting down Cortland Sutton, breaking up passes. I mean, he was dominant. And then he gets his foot stepped on and never sees the field. So he's a guy. I mean, talk to Eric Trickle about what Bryce Callahan brings to the table. He's a very talented and in Fangio scheme, he's quintessential. Like he's a perfect fit for Fangio. So if he's healthy, if he stays on the field, Zach, I'm actually optimistic of what he can do. It's the problem is I just can't trust yet that he's going to be able to stay on the field.
3: I'm right there with you. I think if, if all things go according to plan, if all the stars align, he has more upside, especially in this scheme with Fangio than Chris Harris Jr. did as a slot cornerback. In terms of the workout video, I don't really know what that was. He was bopping from one hula hoop to another. I was wincing and cringing every time he was landing on that foot. I I, I hope it makes him a better player. I hope it, it gives him some confidence because that's what's most important. It's not just physically healing. It's mentally healing as well and trusting your foot and, and getting back into that rhythm. And And he what he said after the fact chat. I believe it was to the, um, one of the the Houston uh, papers reporter covering it that he's fully confident and fully healed. He's a hundred percent. I like hearing that, but like anybody else on this roster, especially him, he has to show it on the field, on the grass in training camp in the preseason. If there is one in the regular season, he has great upside in this defense, but we cannot trust him to stay healthy at this point. Kathy Lund
2: on YouTube. She says, everyone is salivating about our speedsters on the offensive side. But I think our defense, if healthy, of course, will be scary as hell. I agree with you, Kathy. There are some concerns, mainly at cornerback. But this is a team defensively that could be extremely stout. So if this offense ends up being even half of what it has the potential to be in 2020, Big Fangio scheme in year two in Denver, you're going to see that take a leap for a lot of the incumbents that were here last year, plus the new additions it has the chance, this team has the chance. I mean, this was something James Campbell talked about on yesterday's show, that this team has the chance to be that squad that nobody wants to face down the stretch, that nobody saw coming and that nobody wants to face if they make it into the playoff gauntlet.
3: Yeah, this year's Tennessee Titans, they get hot at the right time, and you just don't want to see them in January. But look at the defense. Jarrell Casey is a monster upgrade on Derek Wolfe. Uh, Bradley Chubb, coming back to Bradley Chubb form, is a monster upgrade on Jerry Attachew and Malik Reed. And A.J. Boye is a monster upgrade on every other quarterback they had on the roster last year. And like I said, Callahan, if he stays healthy, he's an upgrade on Chris Harris Jr. This defense, if everyone plays up to potential, they have top three upside in the NFL this season. They're going to be, as the comment says, scary good in 2020.
2: Andy on Facebook. We don't want to ignore our awesome Facebook audience. Hi, guys. Love what you guys are putting out. When Take I part. can figure out how to be a super chat contributor, I'm sending cash. I have a lot of problems. Money isn't one of them. Well, that's good to hear my friend. <laughs> count your blessings there. Send me a message via Facebook. Show me how I can contribute. Much love. Thanks, Zach and Chad. Fan forever. Uh, Andy, the it's really simple, man you got to go open up YouTube, search Mile High Huddle, find the channel, subscribe. And then from there, instead of watching these live streams when we go live on Facebook, you watch it on YouTube. And then while you're live in the chat stream, there's two options when you comment. One includes either just a regular comment or the second is you can include a super chat. That's how it's done. So translation, again, boiling it down. Follow on YouTube, and the rest will take care of itself, my friend. Appreciate you. But don't feel like you have to do that, my friend. We just like having you in the stream, contributing to the conversation. Here we got Dave, Cali Dave, showing out, one of our superstars. It's good to see you again. You, see what I'm talking about here. Hashtag, baby, state of being. He says, back from vacation, I think Gordon is underestimating this battle that's coming to him. Hashtag Colorado kid, too tough. He's... He might, You might be right, Dave, but at the same time, as sensitive as Gordon is about his contract, maybe he is seeing a couple of turns down the road what awaits him because Philip Lindsey is no stranger to him. He's faced him twice a year. He's watched from the sideline every time Philip lindsay has been on the field against the Chargers, so he knows what awaits him, Zach. It's going to be really fun to see how it shakes out.
3: Especially because he was cut in part because the Chargers have Austin Eckler, and who does Austin Eckler remind you of? Philip Lindsay. So he's walking into a similar situation with a competitor that has a different set of skills. And you know what? Melvin Gordon, you can say what you want about him, but he's wherever right now. He'd rather argue with radio personalities than get on the field with Drew Locke. And where's Philip Lindsay right now? Catching passes in local parks in Denver with Drew Locke. That's a difference to me. So he underestimates him, Gordon to Lindsay. He's in for a rude awakening this season. Dude, I can't believe we're already at 45 minutes. Does it feel like we've been talking? I was
2: thinking that. Unbelievable. All right, so since we are entering the home stretch of tonight's podcast, let me just jump down here and see what is – here we go from James. Honest question, Zach. Would you rather the Broncos have used a top 100 pick on a running back or signed Gordon? The only running back who could pass pro well, run routes, and catch was LSU's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, in my opinion, who ended up going to the freaking Chiefs. Of all teams, he ends up going to the Chiefs. But um, Zach,
3: you answer, and then I'll I'll riff off of that. I, neither. I, I mean, I, I think the Broncos were in a better position with Philip Lindsay being the guy. And yeah, you could have upgraded on Royce Freeman, but you could have drafted a guy in the middle rounds to pass protect or to catch balls out of the backfield. It didn't have to be an either-or scenario. I understand what the Broncos are going for. They want a guy who can do everything, but Lindsey is, is way more of a workhorse, and you can teach the traits, like catching passes. At pass pro, it, it might be Lindsey's weak suit, but Devontae Booker w- worked in that role for many years very well, very effectively. You can find running backs who can come in and pass protect. It doesn't have to be a top 100 pick or $16 million for Melvin Gordon. I understand if... Look, Pat Shermer played it down uh, just
2: you know three, four weeks ago saying, look, I wasn't pounding the table for any, for the Broncos to go sign Melvin Gordon. He played it down, downplayed. But I think he was a lot more involved in that than he's letting on. If the Broncos were hell-bent to bring a running back in that they felt like more complemented this offense out of the gates better than Lindsey or Freeman or uh, Kalfani Muhammad or anyone else they have on the roster – I would have much preferred if they were hellbent on adding one, they do it through the draft than going and overpaying a position like the running back. If that's I mean seriously, if you're going to throw money at a position and overpay, running back is literally the last one you want to do that with. So, God bless him. I hope Melvin Gordon just crushes it. I hope he does well. I hope like Philip Lindsay says it ends up making them both better and the whole 9 yards. I hope that's how it shakes out. I just don't have a good feeling about it so far. That's that's just the mm-hmm. truth. Um, sorry about that, Buona. David Kilgore jumping in, one of our superstars, showing some love. Five dollar, David. David, also, if you're interested, we understand it's not for everybody, but if you want to be one of the superstars that we bring on the show and get to know a little bit, reach out to us, milehighhuddle at gmail.com. We can make arrangements, but we really appreciate you. Consistent, each and every pod, you're in the stream, showing some love, And we hope everything's going okay because he has uh, unfortunately contracted the word that shall go unnamed and is rolling Mm. with those particular punches. Last time I uh, heard from him, he said he was doing okay. So hopefully that continues, my friend. He says, Is there any news about free agents that we could pick up? No news, my friend. Um, At this stage, it's one of those situations, Zach, where until they actually have a little football activity going on, you're not going to see the Broncos make any additional moves, barring some you know unforeseen cut that suddenly happens around the NFL and the Broncos want to bring that guy in. I mean, at this stage, they have to get cleats on the grass and get a feel for all these moves that they've already made in free agency in the draft, how they are shaping up, and
3: then they can go from there and make decisions. They're in a holding pattern right now. Everyone, the entire NFL, same for the camp, save for the Cam Newton signings. It's going to be rare until we get to training camp. And teams are also concerned, Chad, about the revenue, about the salary cap, the implications from the issue right now. They don't want to really spend on players if they don't have to. So teams are guarding their money and their salary cap like gold. That could change and probably will change when the summer rolls around and, uh, and teams are conducting practices. But for now, uh, the, the talent that's on the market, like Jadevian Clown, is still there. Everson Griffin's still there. I mean, these are good players, but teams can't bring in them, bring them in for physicals. They don't want to dole out money right now. It's just, as you said, perfectly, a holding pattern.
2: Yes, indeed. It's one of I mean, it's literally one of the worst times to be an unrestricted free agent. Like even Justin Simmons, one of the factors that could be contributing to the lack of a deal. We got the deadline coming up July 15th. If the Broncos don't get him extended to a multi-year deal, he he'll have to play 2020 on the franchise tag. But one of the things that could be complicating that is just because the NFL doesn't know what revenue is going to do this year. Thus, they don't know how to exactly project the salary cap next year. It's kind of making them have to redo the math, and there's so much uncertainty there. I mean, look, Justin Simmons is should have been in line to make about $14 million per year on a multi-year deal. If you're the Broncos, do you feel comfortable doing that in this current financial climate that the nfl is kind of rolling with so similar uh similar situation for any free agent that's still currently out on the market including those two pass rushers mark langley jumping in showing some love there on Super Cat, as he always does appreciate you my friend he yeah. says what's up my guys my son zach did you know his name his, his son's name was zach i didn't know that
3: I'm never sure if it's a punchline, so I'm, I'm going to hold uh, my commentary for a second. Drives a
2: dump truck, and he told me that a guy that works with him used to play in the NFL. Uh, his name is Mark Wyvoda. He was an undrafted free oh. agent in 04 for Tampa. Hashtag football priest. Uh, let me search it real quick.
3: Yeah, I guess it wasn't a joke.
2: Yeah, so defensive lineman, six foot two, played at Idaho State. So that's... Uh, that's the same place that James Campbell talked about. He's this is that he went uh, did a year as a uh, foreign exchange student in Pocatello, Idaho. But it shows Mark, for what it's worth, that Wevoda he played for the Bucks as a practice squad guy and then bounced around to a bunch of arena league teams, basically, and some XFL looks like as well. Uh, up until twenty sixteen, like looks he played for. The Jacksonville Sharks as recently as 2016 and his Arena League stats they have on Wikipedia. So that's cool. Yeah, that's cool that your son crossed paths with him. Mark, you're a good dad for the name. Excellent choice. Here's Zyka jumping in. Is it fair as a fan to demand a top 10 offense to justify the expensive overstacking at running back? Curious what you guys think. I mean, I see why you're viewing it that way. Is it fair to demand a top-10 offense? Yeah, you can't really demand it. Unless you are fielding Peyton Manning or Patrick Mahomes or Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers, it's hard to demand a top-10 offense from any team. However, Drew Locke could be one of those guys that's in that same conversation a couple of years from now. But still, it's not unfair, Zyka, to demand that this be a prolific rushing attack. It's not unfair to demand that – Melvin Gordon, you know, earns his keep based on the money that the Broncos are paying him.
3: Yeah, I mean, this offense isn't, isn't going to go how Melvin Gordon goes. It's going to go how Drew Locke goes. So if he takes that next step and they look pretty good, they can be a top 10 offense. But I'm with Chad, it, they should expect to be a top 10 backfield at the, at the minimum, and they should expect Melvin Gordon to justify that contract by catching the number of passes and scoring the number of touchdowns they think he's capable of. So top 10, I wouldn't demand that, but I do demand, considering the talent level, Chad, on, on all positions, a top 16 offense top half of the NFL offense. That's, that's my demand for the Broncos.
2: Ben Lee wants to know, did you watch Jerry Judy's route running mixtape? I don't know how many of those guys were NFL corners, but wow. Yeah. I mean, I did see it. We both saw it. I mean, when it comes to following players, I don't think anybody does a better job in our community than Steven Baumgartner. He's always tagging us on Twitter when there's something unique or notable to check out. So we saw that. And, I mean, it's textbook. You watch Jerry Judy run routes, and it's like this, if you're an NFL wide receivers coach, this is what you want to put on, on screen to show up-and-comers how it's done. He is such a technician, and honestly, you can see from those videos how, how his route running creates separation and how his technical prowess allows him to you know, s- separate from the competition, but we don't know if they're at NFL corners, but still – we saw in the SEC, he didn't have too much
3: of a uh, trouble against NF, future NFL talent separating Zach. Uh, Zach Azani is having wet dreams, waiting to get his hands on Jerry Judy. I mean, that's just a phenomenal talent, a phenomenal project for him as a first-round pick. My ACLs just ache watching yeah. Jerry Judy make cuts. It, it, it's phenomenal. And he makes up for his you know, less-than-elite playing speed by creating separation with his route running. He's going to be... Amari Cooper, Marvin Harrison, incarnate right out of the gates. I cannot wait to see him play cor- opposite Cortland Sutton.
2: Mark Langley jumps back in, showing some love. He says, what's thank up, Mark. my guys? Hashtag state of being. Hashtag state, state of And if you're a Garrett fan, then it's a hashtag <laughs> state of stench. Hashtag Garrett what crawled up your drawers. Hashtag <laughs> huddle up pod and MHS. Appreciate you, uh, my brother. Thank you, Mark. Um, <laughs> Your lying dog face pony soldier jumps in. Is it weird that most of our corners are undrafted, former undrafted free agents? you got Devontae Bosby, A.J. Bouye, Bryce Callahan. I don't think it's weird per se. It's unique. But, Zach, let me just – I can't remember the exact figure. I know it's north of 50%, but percentage – let me see. Per percentage of NFL players – that are undrafted. When is this from 2019? Huh? I guess I'm wrong. 30% according to NFL draft diamonds of current NFL players are undrafted. But even still, in this case, the three guys being undrafted on the cornerback depth chart and their top guys, relatively speaking, make up for like half of the death chart because you get beyond Bouye, Callahan, And Bosby, you get to Devontae Harris, who was a fourth-round pick of the Bengals, if I'm not mistaken. Duke Dawson, who I think is going to be a safety this year. Former second-round pick of the Patriots. Isaac Yadam was a third-rounder. So it is unique. What's that?
3: Michael O' too, is a third-rounder. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. So it is unique, but I don't think it's necessarily anything to write home about. No, and what I was going to say is, look how many first-round cornerbacks were on the free agent market this year, Chad. I mean, Drake Kirkpatrick, Darquez, Denard, uh, I'm forgetting another one, uh, Trey Waynes. I mean, th- th- it doesn't have to be a first-round pick, and rarely do first-round cornerbacks end up panning out. And the Broncos, if that 30% is a number for the entire NFL, the Broncos make up about 25%, because they love finding the eighth-round players, meaning undrafted guys. Chris Harris Jr., for example. I mean, they just love scouting those type of guys. I don't care whether. you're drafted or undrafted, I don't care what league you come from. If you can play, I want to see you on the field. Yep. Jason O'Neill, he says on YouTube, believe it or not, I was listening
2: to one of the major sports shows on the radio. They were actually speaking highly about the Browns and the Broncos being surprise teams this year. What say you? I think it's – I think people who actually have been paying attention in terms of the national um, perspective – the people who've been paying attention through seeing what teams did last year, juxtaposing that with what they did in the draft and free agency this year, they recognize that the Broncos are a team on the come. It's just most of these national analysts, it's very lazy armchair caliber, you know, basically going off of their perception of the team over the last four years. And it's not really taking into account the changes and updates and the momentum and all that. So it's good to hear it's not – really that surprising but it's it's good to hear that there are some people out there that like Colin Cowherd can pick up what the Broncos are putting down
3: yeah, and like Glenn says in the comments, the Browns are always a surprise team every year. They're always a popular offseason <laughs> yeah. pick, and it's true. I, I do happen to believe that Baker Mayfield will have a better year than he did last year. I, I think his ability is somewhere between his rookie year and last year. He's going to be you know, a, a decent starting quarterback in the NFL. I don't see superstar, future Hall of Famer in Baker Mayfield. They're going to be a better team, just not having Freddie Kitchens as, as their coach. He was a disaster. He was, but I, I, I mean, not to
2: derail toward the end of our pod on Browns, but... I'm not convinced they made a good head coaching hire to replace him. Hmm. Kevin Stefanski the the he wasn't even his, the offensive coordinator in Minnesota. That was Gary Kubiak. He was right. like, you know, nominally I guess he was technically the offensive coordinator, but he wasn't the guy primarily calling plays on game day and you know, he he did a lot in terms of helping the offense design and game planning. He was very involved, but I'm just not convinced yet. Who knows? Maybe he ends up being one of these sneaky hires like uh What's his name? I just had a brain fart. The LA Rams head coach. McVay. Oh, thank you. Sean McVay, you know, who came out of nowhere in that coaching cycle. The same one um, that VJ was hired by the Broncos. Mm. He was literally the last guy, the last seat at the table. LA Rams, it felt like we're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. And he turned out to be the biggest hit of that coaching cycle, hire uh, hiring cycle. So <clears throat> maybe the, the Browns guy can be that. We'll see. Uh, Terry Randall, excuse me, jumping back in. Appreciate you, my brother. Thank you, Terry. Awesome, as always, Chad and Zach. Much love to my Broncos brothers and sisters. Hit the like button, stay active in the chat, and stay safe. Love that, my friend. Really appreciate you. And, guys, we only talk to you live like this for an hour each and every night, but you can keep the conversation going with us at milehighhuddle.com, where we're hanging out all day long, posting articles, talking in the comments, conversation, Sounding off. So we want you to keep the conversation going beyond this. Go to milehighhuddle.com and keep it going. Man, frog in my throat. Chris Hernandez from the top freaking rope. It's been a minute since we've seen Chris in the stream. And he shows back up and just drops a bomb from way up high. Way up high. Thank you. I mean, it seriously like almost brings a tear to my eye. It's very overwhelming. And uh, we just dude, it means so much to us. Thank you, Chris. That's unbelievable. So generous. And uh, we, it just inspires us to continue cranking and not let you down. So, excuse me. Thank you, my friend. He says, haven't been Zach, get this one. I'm going to clear my, throat.
3: (laughs) take a swig of your Red Bull. Haven't been on lately, but always listening. Had to dip in to show some super chat love, nine and six record prediction as the floor. Go Broncos, hashtag. Mm-hmm. Click those little thumbs up. And Once again, Chris, thank you so, so much. It, it blows us away, your generosity. And yeah, I agree with you. Chad, I agree that that nine and seven I, that you're trying to say should be the floor. It should be the expectation, not the goal. They shouldn't want to hit nine and seven. They should go into the season thinking we are going to hit nine and seven at the minimum. The Pat Boland standard should apply to the Broncos this year. It's championship or nothing. An eight and eight you know season, nine and seven season, no playoffs, that is a failure. Ten and six, nine and seven should be the expectation, should be the floor. They have enough talent, they have the coaching. It, it it should happen. Not that it could happen. It should happen. I mean, think about it. The Broncos
2: had three wins going into week thirteen of the season. That was with a former Super Bowl 50 or excuse, excuse, me, former Super Bowl MVP in Joe Flacco, a band-aid starter in between who at least won one game. And then you get Drew Locke, who won four out of five games as a starter, and really gave this team a shot in the arm and momentum. So I think. Nine and seven. I said it on Twitter a little while back. <clears throat> a lot of people got, even Broncos fans, got kind of their panties in a wad over it. That maybe I'm setting the bar a little too high, but nine and seven should be the floor of expectation for this team. That's how talented and loaded they are. I mean, Vic Fangio, Pat Shermer, um, Mike Shula. These are not chump coaches. This is this is the time where this group of coaches, with how stacked this roster is on both sides of the ball, this is where they really need to. Show their worth. Show show their metal, and I think they will. Zach, Thank
3: yeah, it's uh, with the collection of talent they have on, on defense alone. Then you consider who they have they've added on offense this year. Then you consider Drew Locke and his potential. With the schedule they have being lighter, with everything else, with Vic Fangio having another year with his system, you know, pandemic or not, nine and seven should be the floor. And I think all Broncos fans should embrace that. So when they go ten and six, we can say we're not surprised. It's what we expected all along.
2: All right, we do not want to leave any of our superstars out in the cold. So let me, since we are over an hour, I think we got two or three stacked up here. and We'll grab these, and then we'll hop on out for tonight. Glenn Hauser, bona fide superstar like Chris Hernandez. Again, I think almost all of our superstars who have checked in tonight, Chris, I'm not positive where you're at, actually, now that I think about it. But still, hashtag state of being, not located in Denver. He says, with guys practicing the offense in the playbook, how do players justify not being in Denver and participating? I the understand. word that shall go unmentioned. I think a lot gets written off to that and chalked up like, what are we supposed to do? You know, we got a we got a situation on our hands that is unprecedented. But I mean, like a guy like Melvin Gordon, he should he should have made it more of a point to get out and participate in these, especially as one of the new
3: guys on the blocks At and his contract, he's the seventh highest paid running back in the NFL. Why aren't you with your new teammates? And you can talk about the issue or not. It's not a far flight from L.A. to Denver. He can hop on a plane. He can get in a car. He has plenty of money where he can hire someone to drive. Him. He has plenty of money to keep himself isolated enough and protected enough to come to Denver and get on the field or at least the grass with your quarterback and the guy that you're competing with, at running back at Phillip Lindsay. So no excuse to justify it. It comes down to want to. And like I wrote in my column, chat, Melvin Gordon has more want to, to argue on Twitter than he does to be in Denver right now. All right. Here's from Mile High Truth jumping in. Uh, with a super,
2: really appreciate you, Thank my you. friend. He says, what skills does Lloyd Cushenberry bring to our O-line? Well, first and foremost, he's very smart, football IQ, off the charts. He's long, he's strong, two words that you want to hear for your center. And he, you know, I think – well, let me just pull this up real quick. Hold on one second.
3: He also comes from a pro-style system in LSU. So,
2: he's, so let me just read some of these pros real quick, Zach. This is quick from uh, Eric – Finding Broncos scouting report before the draft. So this was published you a know, couple weeks, a month, maybe even before the draft. Pros for Lloyd Cushenberry. Good strength throughout his body. Length is outstanding for an NFL center. Strikes first 99.9% of the time as a run blocker, which is key. Can drop his butt and shut down power rushers. Smooth and controlled when climbing to the second level. High football IQ that is constantly raved about. His hand placement is Elite by NFL standards already, strong hands to sustain blocks while driving, uses his frame to block lanes even while engaged. He's got a strong jab to initiate contact that lands right consistently, smooth when passing off rushers, strong execution as a double-team blocker, great awareness when it comes to blitzing, doesn't lose to uh, length rushers, so long rushers he doesn't lose to those guys because he is also long. Really good recovery technique. As far as his cons, it's a much shorter list than his pros. His feet can get heavy the longer the rep goes. He sometimes struggles to move bigger defenders when they anchor. He will give up positioning while recovering at times, will struggle with rushers crossing his face, sometimes lets rushers get the outside shoulder, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a few minor and honestly things he needs to work on. But for the most part, he's a ready-made plug-and-play
3: straight from college into the starting lineup guy. All of his cons too are coachable. Those were not, you know, irreparable, uh, you know, bad qualities that he brings to the table. And who does he have to coach him, Chad? Mike Munchak. You, yep. you can't call for a better placement for someone like Lloyd Cushenberry, who I mentioned came from LSU. That's not some mid Atlantic school. It's not some D2 school. That's a major powerhouse program. And he was a star for them. So he's going to come in right away to Denver. He's going to be rusty at times. He's going to be look like a rookie at times. He's going to probably allow some pressure, maybe a few sacks. But for the long term, he has more upside than Connor McGovern, more upside than Matt Paradis. And I think this is oh, finally, yeah. finally the center, Chad, the Broncos keep around for more than a couple seasons. That's what's so crazy is Matt Paradis was a
2: Pro Bowl caliber center, probably one of the better centers in the history of the Broncos. And you're right. Lloyd Cushenberry, day one, has more upside potential. Than Matt Paradis. Now, Sebastian is a very passionate fan, very engaged. He reaches out to me on Twitter, sometimes daily to, to find out what's the latest with the NFL season. He wants to know when the NFL will officially say that the season's happening. They already have my friend, they already have said that it's happening. July 28th training camp is starting on time. All NFL teams are on that, uh, that square that's happening. Mm-hmm. So, don't uh, don't fret. We just don't know exactly how it's going to shake out with fans quite yet. I seriously wouldn't be up at night worrying about it. It's going to happen. Huh. KP jumping back in. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you. He says, since we drafted Alberto, should we cut Nick Vanette, Hireman, and Butt because Beck can do the blocking at tight end, no? Hmm. I mean, Vanette, I want to see what he can do because you just paid him. Now you're $1.6 million in the hole if you cut him in terms of dead money. I want to see what he can do. I want to see if he can fit the vision that this someone was pounding the table for him. I don't know if it was Wade Harmon, the tight ends coach. I don't know if it was Pat Shermer. Someone liked them in that coaching staff, some Nick Vanette. So I want to see if he fits in, you know, and we'll see. But with Albert O, you've got a really athletic, talk about a ceiling. This guy's up there, maybe not quite to that level of Noah Fant, but comparable, even though he's a fourth round pick. Should you cut Vanette, Heirman, and Butt? You can make an argument that Hireman and Butt, but yeah. I don't know about Bennett yet.
3: Yeah, he's a little too raw, Alberto. If he was like a you know a, a Gronkowski, obviously, then I can ha- I can move on from those veteran players. But until he kind of proves his mettle, Alberto, and kind of develops at the at the NFL level, I want to have some veteran fail safes on the roster. You don't need all of them. You can cut Hireman. you can cut Butt, but having Fumigali, even having Beck, who has experience, that's important. I would not leave it to just Alberto and no one else behind. No offense.
2: One of our superstars, Zach's web design says, so I just have to share something. I posted a status about Nick Wright's prediction. One of my friends commented that he believes the Broncos will go five and 11 and he's hating
3: on Vic Fangio. Let him hate. It's comedy. Hashtag. You said it, Zach. Let them hate. Let them keep hating. Your friend, Zach, will turn around in January and say, you know what, you were right. The Broncos are for real. Nick Wright will do it. He'll get on Fox Sports 1 and have some monologue, just like Adam Rank did this past year. Everyone will see what the Broncos are capable of in 2020. And for now, and until then, hashtag let them hate. All right, we got Duke. The last Super Chat stacked up. Really appreciate you, my
2: friend. Yeah, thank you, Duke. Coming back in. He says, "Y'all have a safe and most fantastic Fourth of July." This MHH family is the best ever. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Zach. A big old yeehaw to America's birthday. Amen to that. As someone who is very patriotic, uh, I wish. I think you know you want to do it as safely as possible. Depend, you know. I mean, I, I don't know exactly what everyone's situation is with regard to the word that shall go unnamed in terms of new cases and all that. Be smart. Be safe but celebrate this nation's birthday. I'll be doing that with my family. We'll do it. We'll be smart. If we're in a closed situation publicly, we'll be masked up. But when it comes to the fireworks, Zach, we're going to be outside. We're going to be watching. It's going to be great. And so happy fourth to our audience out there in Broncos country, our community. Yeah. I think the vast majority of which is in America. It's this very special day. So hope you guys have a great, great weekend. And especially you, Duke. Appreciate you, bro.
3: Yeah, be safe, be cognizant, but you know, also celebrate the fourth for what it is and and, and to turn off the nonsense from the past three months. Turn off all the, the conjecture we've heard and all the stuff going on in the last what's felt like three years, the last three months. Just have a nice day with your family, have a nice day with your friends, and enjoy the fireworks, enjoy the food, and come July 5th, we'll get right back to talking about the issue that should go on name chat. Amen to that. And we got
2: one 11th hour super oh, wow. chat. The buzzer are. <laughs> Thank and his misses. Oh dude, I said I was, not uh, Oh man. I almost, I have it on the tip of my tongue. The name of his, his misses, his name of his wife. Damn it. Uh, Derek green jumping in $25 super really appreciate Thanks. you really appreciate you and your wife. She, uh, he says, sorry, we missed the last few pods. Listen to him after the fact it's been a rough week for the wife, but we made this one great to see y'all uh, guys appreciate the work. Yes. And you know what I was doing while well, I was tr- I was trying to remember what I- the way I connected it is my, my uh, mother in law's name is Deanna. And so I know it's pronounced differently. Um, but I was trying to connect it, but it just wouldn't come to me. So thank you for that. And uh, appreciate your support, Derek, glad to have you in. And it's good to know, look, we weren't worried about it. We know if you're not in the stream, you're listening to the pods after the fact. It's good to hear that, though. It's good to to hear that you're staying in touch with these conversations. And I know there's, not a, there's nothing happening with regard to the Broncos. We are literally in the dog days of the NFL yeah. summer right now. But the conversation, we're sick maniacs. We are your football priests. We're going to keep bringing you this content each and every day. So whether you're in the stream, Derek, whether you're listening after the fact, we're just happy to have you.
3: Yeah, I'm sorry to hear it's been a rough week for you guys. But hopefully, you have a great Fourth of July. Hopefully, next week's better. And just look, keep your chin up and look forward to Broncos footballs coming back July 28th. I mean, we'll have training camp this month. We'll have some action as opposed to the last three months, we've had nothing. So just hang in there, Derek. We appreciate your support.
2: Okay, my pride is on the line here. I I know we. Okay, Derek, drop in real quick. Pronunciation, spell it out phonetically. So, because I see my. Is that Is it, it Adina? A-Dina uh, or is it Adina. No, it has to be Adina, right? Has to be Adina. Drop it in real quick. We're almost out of here. Drop it in. Let us know if you can. Let me see. Bear with us one sec, guys. Oh, Black Knight jumping in late. Good to see you, bro. Mile high salute to you. Mile high salute to Greg and mile high beauty. And it's great to see everybody. Adina, Adina. Okay. I will not forget that. <laughs> Adina, God bless you. Hope uh, hope things turn around for you. I don't know what's going on, but uh, if there's anything we can do to help out, as you know, Derek and Adina, reach out and let us know. We're happy to help in any way that we can. But, gang, that's got to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast, wrapping up another fun and engaging Mile High mailbag. Zach and I are done for the week. Uh, James wants to know, is Mile High Insider going to have Eric and Nick? Uh, I think so. I know, it's, I know that Luke's going to be gone Saturday night. I'm not sure who he has, um, Nick has, stepping in for him. But anyway, there will be a podcast Saturday night. But Zach and I, we're off tomorrow, Friday. We're off Saturday. But we'll be back in the saddle Sunday night, Monday night. So we look forward to talking to you guys then. In the meantime, make sure you guys are following the podcast on Twitter. We're still inching closer uh, to the 2,000 mark on Twitter as far as followers. So, if you have a Twitter account, make sure you're following us there. And if you don't have a Twitter account, create a, a Twitter account so you can follow the show and stay plugged in. And while you're at it, follow at Mile High Huddle. And you do not want to miss following my partner here, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter at Kelberman NFL. And then you can find me at Chad and Jensen. Buona Beast at John K. That's K-A-Y-M-H-H. Follow us all and let's keep the conversation going there. Let's keep the conversation going at MileHighhuddle.com.
3: And Zach, bro, have a phenomenal 4th of July weekend. Hope it's a great one. You as well. I hope you have a great time with the family chat and you get to kind of just turn off a little bit and kind of put the last three months behind you like everybody else. Stay safe. Everyone have a great holiday. Enjoy the day. And we'll talk to you guys Sunday. All right, guys. Thanks for
2: joining us as always. If we missed your question or comment, sorry, we'll make it up to you somehow. And it's a mile high salute to our super chat superstars. You guys blow us away day in day out. We love you. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. Happy 4th of July, Broncos Country. We'll talk to you guys Sunday night.
0: You've been listening to
2: the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.
0: Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. Join us at Primark as we open new locations in Roosevelt Field Mall, City Point, Brooklyn, Jamaica Avenue, Queens, and upstate New York. We're looking for full and part-time retail associates and managers to join our dynamic and exciting culture. Do retail our way. Work that feels good and does good. That's a career at Primark. To learn more, visit careers-us.primark.com or text PRIMARK to 97211 to apply. That's PRIMARK to 97211.